This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by SDN Sports from Station Casinos. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. What's up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, still in uh, quarantine. The podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey. I am Ben Goats of the Las Vegas Review Journal, one of your Golden Knights beat writers, joined on the line by my colleagues Dave Shane and Adam Hill. Uh, we have so much to discuss today, guys. We're going to go through just a bunch of different hockey topics because a fair amount of just, you know, kind of fun little nuggets have happened within the past week. Uh, but first, we got to discuss the big nugget. Uh, Adam uh, went down to Florida this past weekend for a UFC card because, you know, Dana White decides that the rules that apply to other sport events don't necessarily apply to him. Uh, Adam, how was how was uh, sunny, sunny, the sunshine state? Yeah, you know what? I actually I thought I was just going to Disney World and then it was closed. So I was like, I guess I better go cover some fights. Uh, It was weird. uh, No question about it. Uh, Traveling was I'll say this. Traveling was glorious. Uh, nobody on flights. Airports are empty. Uh, it's insane. You just walk through the airport, get on your plane, have a whole row to yourself, sometimes a whole like section of the plane to yourself, and then your bag is waiting for you at baggage claim when you get there. It's it's unbelievable, but uh, I wouldn't recommend traveling to anybody necessarily right now. Um, yeah, I, I think you you get there and you see all the lengths that leagues are going to have to go to. Uh, to try to make something happen uh, as far as return to the sports world. Uh, I, I think what you see is that it's possible. Like you can, you can set it up where, Hey, we're going to have, you know, teams or, you know, in, in the NHL's cases, they talked about divisions or however you want to break it down. You can have them go to some, some town, isolate at the same hotel, have everybody tested to get into the hotel and kind of run a somewhat safe operation uh, but you also saw kind of the bad side of that, which was, you know, part of any kind of plan like that, if you're going to quarantine at a hotel, is guys are going to also have to, you know, follow that and say, you get there, you get tested, and you just stay in your room. How many guys are going to, are going to want to do that? Probably not a whole lot. Uh, but that's, you know, part of this, you know, part of this planning of trying to make these things happen. And if you really want to make sports happen, 
is the leagues have to have the right protocols in place and the players all have to buy into it. And in this case, you know, the UFC said, hey, everybody comes here, everybody gets tested and nobody leaves really their their room of self-isolation until all the results are back. And they had one of the fighters decide he was going to go, you know, hang out with some other people and he's caught on video and then uh, and then test positive. And so I think you could say the system worked and that they found the positive test. They got, you know, those those people who had tested positive out of there and cleared cleared them out. But at the same time, uh, the one positive test, I think, is going to scare a lot of other organizations that are going to want to try to do something like this. No, totally. I mean, I think that's an awesome summary. And for anyone interested in what kind of went on at the UFC card this past weekend, check out Adam's stuff at ReviewJournal.com. There's a great first-person story where uh, you had to get tested, Adam, and you kind of described the process and what that was like. And I think it's very apt because, I mean, we kind of joked, I believe it was last week, about the KBO and that coming back in empty arenas. Uh, this weekend, the German Soccer League, the Bundesliga, is uh, planning on coming back in empty arenas. The Premier League now wants to restart in early June. We're getting baseball talks. You know, there's still a bunch of NBA discussions out there. So the wheels are kind of in, in motion for, you know, all this stuff to come back. And as you mentioned, UFC kind of gave at least some sort of blueprint for what that might look like so you touched on this already but do you feel more optimistic after being there that that could work on a larger scale not just in a ufc where it's obviously you know fighter versus fighter but in you know kind of a team sport context yeah i I think it could work i mean again there's a lot that goes into it and, and having fighters kind of isolated for four days leading up to a fight uh is one thing having you know a place where you isolate a bunch of, you know, NHL or NBA, and, you know, in this case, NHL, or if you say NBA or Major League Baseball players, you try to isolate them for a longer period of time to make something happen. I think guys start to get stir crazy a little bit and uh, be more difficult if you were to isolate, say, you know, part of the benefit is, you know, you go to Jacksonville and isolate. Um, there's not a whole lot open. So, like, even if guys wanted to go, you know, out and about and, and venture uh, onto the streets or into the city, there wasn't a whole lot to do. But as we get more and more things open, it's going to be tougher and tougher to have guys go to like an, an isolated spot and say, don't leave this, you know, this, this, you know, sanitized facility. Uh, guys are going to want, want to go out and, and do things. Uh, and that, that will become one of the bigger challenges as well. Uh, if you do something like that, like the NBA's plan of potentially going to like Disney World, that could work. If, if it's not open and you're just kind of isolated at this place where there's no place to like leave the hotel and walk to. Those, those those things make it work, but I just feel like the more things that are open in a town that you try to go to, the more difficult it is to really, really contain uh, a bunch of athletes. It's going to be tough. No, definitely. And so, obviously, this is all now stuff that I think we're all going to be following pretty closely to see how a lot of these leagues kind of function in the near future and whether that provides a blueprint for, you know, as we're talking about, the NHL to eventually come back. Uh, We're going to switch to, of course, some hockey topics. As I mentioned, we've got a ton of stuff to hit on this week's podcast, including prospect Jack Dugan signing, the AHL season being officially canceled. Uh, And I want to talk about a fun project our paper did last week, as well as some other notes. 
Uh, but first, I want to mention that the Golden Edge podcast is, of course, sponsored by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casino. Uh, we also want you guys to, of course, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, do to this podcast. And as I mentioned earlier, when it came to Adam's stuff, check out all our stuff at ReviewJournal.com. I'm still going player by player through the Knights roster. And, of course, Dave's been on top of so much news uh, over the past couple days. And so I want to get into some of that news starting now. So Dave, off the top, uh, I want to talk about uh, something you wrote about yesterday, which is the kind of plan to play arena workers for the Knights. We've touched on this before in terms of there is $500,000 set aside to pay a lot of the Golden Knights arena workers, 100000 of which was donated by goaltender uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. But I think it's starting to get out and people are starting to hear that a lot of these arena workers haven't actually received this money yet, which, to be clear, is not an indictment on the Knights or the system they set up, yet they are not pocketing that money. Uh, so, Dave, what is kind of the deal right now with that arena worker money? Yeah, I want to go back and talk to, about the Bundesliga and the KBO, though. <laughs> Can we like that? more fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited to get my German German soccer team my, on. I still got to pick a team. Well, my dinos are kicking rear end too with uh, with Swole Daddy. So you know, um, <laughs> uh, and, Dave's living his best life. That's right. That's right. No, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, though, uh, yeah, uh, the the Knights released a statement yesterday, kind of updating it a little bit. Um, but really, it's more about the NHL, and and they haven't canceled the games yet. Everything's set aside, and you know, we'll kind of see if, you know, things maybe, you know, could happen this week. Um, maybe, you know, early next week, we'll see. A lot of it just depends on the NHL kind of, you know, officially declaring that the games aren't canceled. But we've seen some movement from some other teams. Uh, the Bruins had some activity in terms of ticket holders and offering credits, refund, refunds, and that sort of thing. So there's obviously, you know, some some movement toward the realization. I think that fans aren't going to be allowed into the arena. It's just hasn't become official yet. But, but again, like you mentioned, Ben, it's not an indictment on the team They're, You know, it's not like they've backed out on the commitment or anything like that. They're just waiting for, okay, you know, from the team or uh, excuse me, from the league. And, and I do, I do want to point out one thing about that though. Like you're a hundred percent right on everything you're saying. My feeling is that the league is not doing this because of this. So I, I think the league is not calling off the games officially because uh, in a lot of places they're holding on to money and they're, you know, they're holding off on making certain payments. And so there's a reason why they're not declaring these games played. I don't think anybody believes that the NHL is going to be able to play games in an arena anywhere and finish out a regular season. Like whatever they do is going to be some hybrid of, you know, neutral site or, either just go straight into the tournament like that that's the i don't think any plan anywhere would call for actual games to restart in any arena with fans anywhere so uh, I, I just feel like there is some frustration for people of hey why are you not making these payments and i get it and you're 100 percent right on why they're not because you have to wait until the season's canceled but i think people would just want them to say okay the regular whatever regular season was supposed to be there that is canceled whatever comes back is going to be a hybrid and then some of these payments can be made which would be helpful to people. And I think that's where a lot of people are. And I think that's fair. I think that's understandable. 
Certainly. I think just to, to defend the Knights, I guess a little bit, you know, let's maybe make sure the frustrations directed in the right spot, you know, right. directed at the yeah, NHL yeah. and, and, and things like that sort of, you know, the actual entities that are holding this up as opposed to the Knights and, and things. Yeah. Totally yeah. So fair. to piggyback, uh, off what you guys are saying, I was going to touch on, uh, still nothing on any sort of official restart plan from the NHL, as those guys just mentioned, um, the scuttlebutt sure seems to be that the plans are trending towards the regular season being over and just going to a modified playoff format because, you know, as we've talked about for a while, the the worst teams in the league, you know, the Los Angeles Kings, the Red Wings, it just doesn't make sense for them to uh, be off for, you know, three months, come back for only a couple games and then be off again. So it sure does seem like the final format for a restart whenever that gets decided will include some kind of modified playoffs now how many teams that will ultimately include is still up in the air but that things certainly seem to be moving in that direction and you know adam as you were saying i think that kind of adds to the frustration of the regular season not being called off if it sure seems like we're headed in that direction and it would sure help a lot of people financially if we ended up just doing that uh, another item that we should address is there's still no official announcement on whether there'll be an early draft or not this is something we've touched on the last couple weeks we thought we would get news on this by the time we recorded last week we didn't i thought we might have news by the time we recorded this week and we still don't have it uh so who ultimately knows whether they're going to end up moving the draft into early june or not uh one thing we should touch on uh dave because you talked to golden knights general manager kelly mccrimmon is the Knights are not actually necessarily opposed to the draft being early, which is kind of contrary to, I think, most teams' feelings on this. Yeah, that's kind of the feeling I got, or at least they're okay with whatever the NHL decides to do. I'm sure their true feelings, they'll probably keep that to themselves, whether it's, you know, they want to do it in June or whether they want to do it after. But certainly when Kelly McCrimmon and I discussed it, he was okay with it. I know George McPhee was on the radio with our, you know, close friend, Brian Blessing and, you know, basically said the same thing. There's not going to be any whining from the Golden Knights about it. I, I mean, when you really look at it, if you're going to really, really, really break it down, if the Golden Knights end up with 24, which based on points percentage is where they would end up. Now, what's not 100% clear, I guess, is if the league goes back to kind of a, a, a format that they use now where like the division leaders or winners, I guess, would be bumped toward the end of the draft. I don't know if they would do that. If they just go straight on points percentage, the Knights are at 24. But potentially, if they make a run in the playoffs and then if the draft is held afterward, they could end up with, I guess, what would be a lower draft pick, you know, 28, 29, 30. If they win it, 31. So in that regard, to get locked in at 24, if that's what happens, is, I guess, a slight advantage for them. Um, we've talked about, you know, all the other stuff with, you know, how does it work with the Cody Eakin trade and all that'll, you know, kind of get sorted out and and what have you. But I, yeah, I think I think at this point, Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee and his staff are going ahead and, and preparing for the draft like they would normally, like it would be in June. And then if they have to adjust, they'll do that. But the one thing that Kelly McCrimmon said was they'll be ready whenever it is. Yeah, and then obviously you talk to him for you know a decent amount of time, and people can check out the story at uh, ReviewJournal.com. But anything else kind of really insightful come out of uh, that discussion? 
I mean, I think the hard thing is for him and for everybody else right now is just they don't have a lot of answers to questions. You know, we can look at different things. And certainly I had a whole, you know, laundry list of of questions. And, and we went through different things with the draft and, and the restart. And, and you know, Kelly McCrimmon is, is very conscious of what's going on in the world and, and that these are bigger problems than the Golden Knights and the NHL and, and him and us and, and all those sorts of things. And, you know, he's very deferential to just let's get through this. Let's make sure everybody's healthy before we start analyzing, you know, how the salary cap's going to affect us or, you know, can we re-sign this guy or what's going to happen with the goalies and all that sort of stuff. I think they're just kind of, you know, taking it a day at a time, little by little, you know, they'll prepare for a restart. They'll prepare for a draft if, that, if that's what happens. But right now, they're you know they're not trying to look too far down the road on a lot of things and and just make sure everybody's healthy. That 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 was kind of the main, I guess, message and and takeaway, you know, from our conversation. They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots. Bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two ounce shot. Better digestion stronger immune system and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. Yeah, well, let's talk about a piece of business that McCrimmon then did yesterday there was an announcement from the Golden Knights that uh, one of their top prospects, I think probably kind of consensus top three prospect in their organization, Jack Dugan, uh, is going to turn pro. He was a sophomore at Providence this last season, and he led the NCAA in scoring with 52 points. He was one of 10 Hobie Baker finalists. He ultimately did make the cut for the top three. Uh, he's a 21-year-old right wing. He's got a good frame, good skills, excellent passer uh not quite the best finisher he's not quite like a pure goal scorer and uh, he still needs to clean up kind of his defensive game as well but i think you could say that about a lot of 21 year old forwards and he should end up being you know a really good middle six wing or at least that's kind of the hopeful projection of him uh what is interesting of course is that the announcement wasn't jack dugan has signed a contract with the golden knights it's just he has agreed to join the Knights organization. Uh, so, Dave, you wrote about this yesterday. What can you kind of tell us about the the terms with which he's agreed to the Knights on how he's turning pro? Yeah, it, basically it depends on if the season resumes or if he's got to wait until 2021. Um, different scenarios kind of involved in that. Um that, you know, depend on him maybe being able to burn the first year. The thing is right now, the NHL, after it paused for the coronavirus on March 12th, prohibited teams from signing players to contracts that are for the 1920 season. So what you're seeing and what you've seen, and Jack Dugan is kind of in the same situation as other college players and other guys who haven't necessarily signed uh a contract they've agreed to the terms uh we've seen some other guys that have signed and usually the difference is those are guys that are probably clearly projected to go straight to the ahl you know maybe they're coming out of juniors and things like that they're younger where jack dugan's 22 
he's closer to the NHL than a lot of these guys. And, and if he's able to burn that first year on his entry-level contract and then play next season, after that, he would be a restricted free agent. That is kind of the ideal scenario for the player. We've seen that with you know different guys. Um, it's not the exact same situation because Jimmy Schultz was a free agent and Zach Whitecloud was a free agent, but we, but we saw them play, you know, one game to burn that first year in the entry level contract. Same thing that potentially Jack Dugan could do if the NHL allows him. Right now, he's not allowed to do that, so that's kind of the holdup, and that's why he didn't, like you said, Ben, quote unquote, sign his contract, and he's agreed to terms. And then once everything gets settled in that regard. And he sees how everything shakes out if he's able to play, if the NHL permits it or not, then he'll actually put his signature on the piece of paper. Yeah, well, you mentioned kind of there that he might not be, you know, that far off. Uh, Adam, I know you got a chance to watch Jack Dugan in development camp last year. Uh, What kind of impact or role do we see him having, I guess, in the near and long term? I mean, is this a guy that's for sure ticketed? For the, you know, quote unquote, uh, Silver Knights, which we're going to talk about that whole situation in a second. But or is there a chance that he's going to compete for an NHL roster spot? Yeah, I I think it's a good question. I think it's the, you know, what the Golden Knights will be thinking about with him. I I think it's such a weird time, too, of, you know, exactly when do they start? How do they uh, play things out? Do we jump right into next season? And um, where a lot of guys are, because I think it's going to be a really interesting offseason to see when guys come back and how ready they are to jump right into uh, to hockey. I mean, the way that this season kind of ended, like do we jump into a playoff and then guys have a uh, somewhat normal offseason as a very shortened offseason? Like where, where are guys kind of standing in, in terms of being ready to play? And I think that's going to determine a lot of where guys end up. Uh, I, I liked what he looked like as a player. Um, I, I think he, he's a guy that, you know, has certainly, you know, NHL ability right now. Uh, but I just think there's so many unanswered questions going into this. Uh, I, I mostly want to get your guys' take on uh, where he is uh, in his development, just like kind of as a person. You guys were able to talk to him for a while on our uh, podcast not too long ago. Um, where did you feel he was kind of just like in that emotional ready or the, um, you know, the readiness as a uh, as a person to jump into the NHL? Yeah, people can check out that episode. It was about a 10-minute chat with uh, Dugan in January when he was here for the Fortress Invitational College Tournament. Uh, He scored the winning goal in the shootout there, by the way. It was kind of a a perfect scenario for him to, you know, kind of shine in his future home rink, or at least what he hopes is his future home rink. you know, from what we were able to gather and a pretty limited interaction with him, and I can just toss it to Dave after. I mean, he seems to have a pretty good head on his shoulders for a young kid. I mean, he was only a fifth-round pick, which I guess we haven't mentioned yet, but he was a fifth-round pick in the Knights' first-ever draft class. So he's not a guy that's had a lot given to him. He wasn't you know, necessarily ticketed to be college hockey's leading scorer, to be kind of a, a guy that the Knights were coveting pretty hard in terms of wanting to bring into the organization this season so i think that kind of shows through how he plays and his attitude of he knows he has to keep getting better he knows he has a lot of areas that he needs to work on in his game and he's willing to put in the time to make those improvements and so i think you know 
that attitude should serve him pretty well when he gets to the pros. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I think it's easy to kind of say this uh, in retrospect and look back on it, but it felt like when we were having our conversation with him and kind of that whole weekend that him turning pro was pretty inevitable. All things, you know, being equal and, and obviously, you know, the situation changed and, and at some point I'm going to talk to him this week. Um, I can plug that a little bit and, and folks can read about that and maybe have a little bit more insight into his decision. But I think he's, he knew he was close to, to being pro ready after this season, regardless. I, I think he wanted to try to make another run for the frozen four. I think he, you know, wanted to see if he could win a Hobie Baker. Some of the voting with the Hobie Baker is, is a little funky folks that aren't, familiar really with college hockey and things like that it you know the guy who's the leading scorer isn't automatically necessarily the guy who gets all the votes some of it's team stuff and and career wise and and all sorts of things like that there's a lot that goes into it and jack dugan clearly you know performed at that level the other side of it is he was an older college player He's somebody that played juniors for a year after he was drafted. He'd actually been passed over in the draft for a year. So he was drafted in his second year of eligibility, then played juniors, and then played college hockey. So he's further along in terms of maturity, Adam, and, and kind of development. He's he's kind of been through it. He's he's ready to go in that regard. He's, you know, he's an articulate kid. Bang, like you talked about, he's got a chip on his shoulder and I'm interested to see kind of how the the Hobie Baker snub, I guess you could say him being a finalist, but not one of the uh, the Hobie hat trick, which is the top three for that award. Whether he carries that into to pro hockey, and you know whether that's something that maybe he can uh, use as a motivation. Nothing wrong with that if it is. Dugan will have at least a couple places he can go when he starts pro hockey, but one of them. Uh, will not be Chicago because the Chicago Wolves era, at least in relationship to the Golden Knights, is officially over. The AHL canceled its season Monday, which ultimately was expected because that league is just, you know, even more gate driven than the NHL. So coming back without fans didn't really make much sense. But the Wolves uh, were in their last kind of year with the Golden Knights because, of course, the Knights are trying to move an AHL team here locally in the Las Vegas Valley, ultimately to Henderson, but they want to play in Orleans Arena for a little bit. Uh, the Wolves, we should mention, were in line to make the playoffs this year, so it's a bummer for all the players on that team who won't get a chance to win the Western Conference again. They actually had a really bad start, but then uh, Coach Rocky Thompson kind of adjusted and got them to turn it around a little bit. But uh, ultimately... I think it's kind of a bummer of a, a way for that relationship to end, right, Dave? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think everybody saw it coming just in terms of, you know, once they bought the San Antonio franchise, it was obvious that the partnership was going to dissolve. But I suppose, you know, you'd like to see like everybody else, maybe have, you know, let them have one more run, you know, see if they can, you know, go somewhere in the playoffs. You never know once you're in, anybody can win it. But I, you know, I think I think I'm not going to get too sentimental about it because I think everybody kind of saw it coming. Um, the Wolves, as an organization, will probably hook up with Carolina Hurricanes. They'll be fine. They'll continue to go on, and the players that played in Chicago will play here, and and everything will you know kind of continue on. So in that regard, 
you know, it's not like the franchise folded. It's not like Chicago lost its hockey team. I mean, I guess if anybody's going to feel sorry for anybody in that regard, let's feel sorry for San Antonio because they actually did lose their hockey team. And, and that's what's coming here. But yeah, I mean, it's not the way anybody wants their season to end. It's not the way anybody wants, you know, a partnership to end with, you know, something kind of standing in the way, I guess, of, of completing the season the way that you normally would. But you know, everybody's kind of in the same boat right now with, you know, with the pandemic. And I think everybody's kind of understanding in that regard that, you know, you move on. It was, a you know, a good two plus years. They made a, a Calder Cup final. They won two division titles. So certainly it was a successful relationship for the time that it lasted. We should also mention that just because the AHL season is over doesn't mean all the player seasons are over either. I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, have already mentioned that. They're going to have select players from their AHL club, the Toronto Marlies, around whatever the restart happens just in cases of injury, you know, potentially a player getting COVID-19, what have you. I mean, that's always common around playoff time. You have, quote unquote, black aces that stick around just uh, in case of an emergency. And so I assume you'd see a lot of the Knights kind of young prospects that are with the Wolves would also come back and be with the NHL team if a restart were to happen. Uh, But one last topic I want to hit up with you guys before we get out of here. Uh, One of our designers at the Review Journal, John Hornberg, had a really, really cool idea. Uh, He loves talking about the Knights, and he executed this really cool project from a couple days ago. Uh, It's called Never Were Knights, and it basically goes through the 11 players the team selected in the expansion draft that never actually got to play for the team. There was a lot of kind of side deals the Knights made to take guys they really didn't have any intention of putting on their roster, and then they just kind of ended up flipping them right after. So uh, if people want to check this out and remember the names of all these characters, it's at ReviewJournal.com. I really encourage uh, taking a look at it. But I want to go through and talk about our favorite never were knights and uh i'll start because for me this is easy uh chris thorburn who they took from uh winnipeg uh in exchange for a couple draft picks one of whom turned into nick suzuki who ultimately turned into uh max pacioretty uh came to the golden knights then ultimately went to the st louis blues where he only played one game last season but still got to hoist the Stanley Cup. So shout out to Chris Thorburn for being like the ultimate passenger, I guess, where he plays only one game for the Blues uh, last season, still gets to hold the cup and then retires. I think he took part in the parade and everything. So that's, you know, that's a storybook ending for a never war night. You don't have to really get hit that often and still get the reward of touching the cup so he is by far my favorite he's also uh in the parade picture just rocking this righteous beard and i i respect his flow too so that's for sure my pick uh dave do you have a pick for your favorite uh never was night clayton stoner 100 percent clayton oh. stoner <laughs> You jerk. <laughs> Same. <laughs> because, of course. Well, you know what? It's because I don't get it. Like, what the heck happened? I know he was hurt in Anaheim and all that, but like, he was there. He was playing. 
And then he just like mysteriously disappeared. He never practiced, never did anything. And now he's coaching and I like, that's cool. But I just want to know, like, what the heck happened? Like, where did he go? What was he doing? And what did he think about when he was watching that run that first year? And he's probably sitting there going, dang, like, why couldn't I be a, the eighth defenseman for that thing? We should mention that uh, Clayton Stoner came to the Knights because the Knights uh, took Shea Theodore from the Anaheim Ducks. That was their incentive for taking Clayton Stoner off the Anaheim Ducks' hands was they also got Shea Theodore. So uh, that that worked out okay. Yeah, that's, been, Knights, that's been okay. Huh? <laughs> that, that's been okay. So, Adam, do you have a, do you yeah. have a pivot person or are you all in on Clayton Stoner? I mean, that was my – because so many people are just excited to wear his jersey because it was obviously a funny, you know, last name of Stoner and people uh, right around the time that, you know, marijuana is being legalized in Nevada. Like, they were like, oh, this is great. It's perfect. Uh, that was kind of a funny moment. Uh, man, I was so excited for that one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I have a second. I was so I was so fired up for him. I mean, the marketing potential uh, alone as well as the fact that he actually yeah. had a you know, indirect influence – on the team on the ice makes makes it pretty hard to beat him. I will admit. Yeah. Also, like, who was it Calvin Pickard that was like he was all set to be the backup goalie, and then right, right before uh, right before the first season, they're like, ah, you know, we're gonna go Superman. Calvin Pickard's that's, uh, also that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that was a solid. I could one. I could tell yeah, some so behind, like, I could tell some behind the scenes stories about conversations that uh, were had at the uh, RJ offices about Calvin Pickard and whether he's going to uh, cut into Mark Andre Fleury's playing time. It's just kind of funny to uh, to think about that now. Yeah, so uh, this stuff is really fun to think about and kind of reminisce on. So once again, it's called Never Were Nights. I would recommend checking it out on ReviewJournal.com. Check out all our coverage there. You know, as I mentioned, I'm still going through the Golden Knights roster player by player to kind of discuss how everyone did this season. Dave's been super, super on top of all this Breaking Nights news. So if you want to read all about that, that's on the website too, as well as Adam's kind of first-person experiences at uh, what sounds like a very crazy UFC event over the weekend. So please check all that out. Make sure to, like I said before, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this podcast. Uh, We want to thank SDN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos for sponsoring us. We are the Golden Edge Podcast, and we'll talk to you guys again real soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.